You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. Welcome to From the Cheap Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and the inimitable Robert Bricky. Say that again twice. What was yeah. that? Uh, what? The inimitable. Okay. The inimitable. In, uh, it did sound he like had a remix. Inimitable. Yeah. Right, let's see. Clowns. Uh, we're going to talk some football today. Chris. Yes. Said the Cowboys would win the East last week. I did. Looking. I meant it. Looking not too shabby after last night. Well, yeah, and they're still looking up at the Redskins, but the Redskins, man, just injury after injury after injury. They got nothing. And they gave up, you know, they beat, they, they got past the Bucks this weekend, but they gave up 500 yards of offense. Um, of course, that's just sort of what Fitzpatrick does. Fitz magic. Fitz magic, baby. Fitz magic. <laughs> um, I still believe that Dallas will win the NFC East. It's where I'm at with that. Amari Cooper, got to say, he's what they needed uh, in terms of being a number one. They're, the thing with, with Dallas is they're just uh, – Dak Prescott's is a little – he's a little schizophrenic. You know, you don't know what you're going to get with him. When he is mobile and is out there using his legs and being a dual threat, that's a tough offense to stop because you've always got the known commodity that is Zeke Elliott. And against Philly this past weekend, jumping over people. Yeah, dude, that's a new thing. Jumping over people. When we were kids, all of us are in the same age. age. I am struggling with words. That's okay. All of us are in the same age range. Age range. Congratulations. Um, did you guys in an NFL game or even in college, do you remember seeing anybody jump over a tackler? Because I it's it. become commonplace. In low league all the time. In, well, there you go. In low yeah. league. Um, I know what it's about, bro. Do you want me to break it this you want me to break it down? Help me out, dog. They have to like key defenders have to key in on that one little sweet spot. On an offensive player, so obviously that people are like, "All right, I see where you're going." I know go. you're going for my belt. Watch. I this. know you're going with my right. belt. I'm gonna jump right up over you because it's happened. I don't know what for the last three or four weeks. Somebody's oh, I mean, jumping it, over somebody. Yeah, the defender did telegraph his tackle yeah. coming up. He was ready, like he made the tackle before Zeke was a yard in front of him. Yeah, it's something so, else. But you see it. You're watching a football. You see it week in, week out, week in. Week out. What I haven't seen yet is somebody catch one of those cats in the air and it end badly for the runner. It's coming. It's coming. Yeah. I because mean, these guys that are doing it habitually, eventually somebody's going to get lit up and it's going to be epic. And Burrich will never play again. <laughs> Speaking of epic, we're going to transition. I want to talk about the Jimmy Butler deal quickly 
But I told you guys this weekend, I didn't see it yet on the highlights, and I was unable to get footage of it while I was at the game. Bricky was there. He was sitting over there with Coach K. Um, our seats were similar in point in terms of vantage point, except that nobody came over the PA system announcing my presence at the game. <laughs> Uh-oh. So you know Bricky didn't get back often because they're like, let's welcome back Duke alum, Robbie Bricky. Well, just, I, I, I treat my celebrity status on the low. Yeah. It did happen. It was cool. Who was with you? Robert, uh, Reggie uh, Love Reggie was Love. There. Yeah. That, we were the only two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They were there hanging out. Oh, now, sorry. There was another guy. Yeah. What he was, was a walk on. It was um, um, uh, Tepanski. If you can't remember. Yeah. If you can't remember, then. all I remember some guys, but after 28 years – it all starts running together. I it's can't that, keep up with it. Well, that, I, I did that, not know. Hold on, hold on. Go, yeah, yeah. It's that Duke Brotherhood. <laughs> yeah, that coming back home, that Duke Brotherhood is still a game with the Army with 11 minutes left. I'm just saying. I don't know if coming back with 11 minutes to go would be the way to characterize <laughs> that. Duke sort of had it under control, and every time they looked like they were going to stretch their legs out, Army just hit shots. I mean, that we were talking about it before you showed up today. Army, not going to lie, very, very impressed with Army. Army might be a tournament team. We're, we're looking to see what their pathway looks. Trent, that offense. Trent, see what conference they're that, in. That offense was perpetually in motion. It kind of it, it caused fits during you know different spots of time for Duke. But they played hard. In fact, in the locker room, the players after the game were willing to admit in the first half they played harder than we did. And, and they did. But to see the three of those guys up close and personal, oh, my God. There is a highlight, which is where I was headed with this, and all of you need to seek it out. It's out there. If we can find it on social media, we'll put it up on Twitter. It was on ESPN this morning. I'm sure it was for the first time. Was that play? The spike? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, all right. Oh, yeah. Well, Trent must have just found it. All right. Well, we'll get it up onto Twitter. I have never seen in all of the basketball I've played between grown men. Because, Bricky, you said you did pull off a block like that once. What was the context? I think I got my daughter when she was seven. <laughs> you were a parent like me where my, my, my ex-wife was like, are you ever going to let them win at anything? No. 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 And no. then I, after no. I did it to my daughters, I always did the Matumbo afterwards. <laughs> Not in my house. No, no, no. The crazy no, no, thing no. is that block, and, and I guess Trent, you're seeing it for the first time. Are you as impressed with it as I said you would be? It's unreal. It okay. is truly, I think we should post it on the USA volleyball team. Dude. I told you it reminds me of a volleyball spike. Can I see it again? To me, yeah. it kind of reminded me of the rock delivering the people's elbow. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, I was blown away with it. And in the locker room, I asked Zion after the game, hey, you do realize this is going to be a highlight that you see through April. Have you ever gotten one like that before? And his response, Brandon, uh, I don't know, probably. <laughs> I probably did. You well, know you what know, I like? He's like, hey, I, I don't know, probably. You know, see, a guy like that, he's just not going to be easily impressed. No. Because he does impressive things to the average fan on a daily basis. But for him, it's not impressive. When you well, go I'll, back through the pantheon of Duke players that have come through, they have sort of always had somebody that was on the cutting edge physically 
Bricky, you were like the beginning of that, and then Grant Hill comes back. Who was the big? Who was the bigger jumper? You were Grant. I think I was actually. Grant's right. a little longer. He's six eight. He, he is, is long. long. But I have never felt sitting in a group of nine thousand people the type of anxious, happy tension every time a shot comes off the rim. Oh yeah, and Zion's in the paint. One of these days, he is going to do something on a rebound putback that will redefine and set a new standard. He's going to get him one, and I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's going to be ridiculous. Remember how Vince Carter used to dunk on people? Yeah. yeah. He, we're going to see some Vince Carter-esque highlights from him this year. I mean, things that you're like, wow. I mean, I just – because we, we're witnessing something – When's the last time we saw a guy that can do what he does? Maybe never saw him in he, college because yeah. the only the only comparison I think school, I think right. me and you talked about it, Brandon. The guy who he reminds me of the most in terms of just being so much bigger and more athletic is Larry Johnson. Right, but Larry Johnson wasn't above the rim no, like this. No, you know he was just a big bad dude who yeah. had some skill and and you know could get up off the floor. Yeah, but this guy, it's something. Now my question for you all is. Well, hold we, on. Yeah, go ahead. All right, what's the question? And I'll well, my question is, is that I think we are in agreement with most of the people who have seen this kid play. Athletically, we may never have seen an athlete like this play college basketball. What does that translate to, though? Because let's say that he goes into the NBA, and yes, he can do it. I think that the, the fair comparison athletically is LeBron James, and I'm not sure – that at this point in his life, he's not more athletically gifted. But does that translate to him being a day one superstar that is transformational? Or, and 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 I think my snap answer would have been yes, but I started thinking about it. And I was like, athletically, the best athlete does not necessarily always translate to the best player. True. And I started thinking about baseball. Who athletically is the best baseball player you've ever seen? Bo Jackson is the guy for me. Bo was a marginal guy who got into some all-star games because he was Bo Jackson. Um, in, I, I think it, I'll answer your question like this. Sure. That play against Army, I think, pales in com- comparison to the one against Kentucky where he cuffed block. He just grabbed it. He, grabbed the block the ball. he just grabbed it, grabbed it out of the air, then moved it up the floor, then dropped a dime. And didn't he follow up a, a missed shot with a dunk? I mean, or it was like something like that. Do, do you remember re- the play on time? Yeah, I, know, I remember the block and the transition play. I think maybe he just dropped it. The answer to that question is like Larry Johnson was a freak of nature when he was coming out of, you know, yeah, without a doubt. But then as soon as his legs wore out, he became a three point, you know, yeah. shooter from like. Well, and that's Knicks. you know that's always going to be the question because a guy this big, that's a lot of strain on those knees and ankles and the feet and all the rest of that stuff. So hopefully, for everybody's sake, this guy stays healthy well, because I, we all want to see him get to where he's going to be. But my question is to continue on about the greatest athlete because we I've said Bo Jackson's the best athlete I've ever seen play baseball in football. From the quarterback position, which is where superstars exist, the question of who is the best athlete to play quarterback all time, I think is pretty simple. Anybody got a name that jumps into your head? Michael Vick. Michael Vick. 
I mean, Vic, with as far as he could throw the ball, with what he could do with his wheels, I don't think anybody in an athletic endeavor that was head up doing the decathlon or in a race or whatever you want to do could stack up with Michael Vick, but he's not even in the conversation. He's not even a top 50 probably all-time quarterback. Um, I know there's some Gen Xers and baby and Gen Xers in particular like, oh, wait a minute, that's Michael Vick. But uh, it's just real talk. Well, he's got all the tools, like his size. You know, he could like play with all of his athleticism for seven or eight years and lose his legs and develop a turnaround jumper. And his basketball IQ, and he can play in the league for like 15 years. Well, here's the opening he doesn't. Here's the opening he has LeBron's type longevity and stays healthy. Well, even like um, when you compare him to Mike Vick, there's a difference between running down the field. I mean, I can go run five miles, but if you ask me to touch the net, I might hurt something. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like, yeah, I mean, he's got all the tools that he can possibly. I said a year ago, when people are com- comparing him to uh, Charles Barkley, I'm like, nah, dude, he's more like LeBron James. Like, way more like LeBron James. Yeah, well, I think the Barkley, and we had these conversations a couple months ago, I thought at, in high school he looked doughy and just like a big dude. You hated him. I, you, I did. You hated and him. Watching him play in high school, I was not impressed. I see why now because he's so much bigger, so much stronger, so much more explosive. He was bored in high school. Bricky's talked to some folks that recruited him. And took a look at him down there, and I think that was probably their their take, was it not? Yeah, I mean, what what are kids that are five eleven, one hundred and forty five pounds going to do against him? Even because high school, ba- uh, public high school basketball is dying because the better players go on to private schools now. So he's playing against a bunch of kids like a just above a rec league level. Yeah, and so he's bo- he's like. They double team him every night, and so he 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 got bored. Now he's it looks like he's having fun when he's playing. Well, he plays the game with a with a fervor, really. I mean, diving on the floor, going after every loose ball. You said before we were talking about it. If there's a loose ball, he sets the tone going for it, and everybody else is kind of getting out of the way. I think that's what talk Jimmy Butler before we got into the football. Waiting to see which one of these three guys sort of... Well, I'll finish that thought on the other side. You'll listen to From the Cheap Seats in Central North Carolina. Krista Lambert, Brandon Atkins, two American patriots trying to make sports talk radio great again. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts, every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit jimmyv.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats. We have been joined in studio by one of the other Atkins boys, which means anything. It's trouble in town. Anything is possible up in here right now. We're getting outnumbered. Yeah. Brandon's tired of us making fun of him like this. He's like, I got my brother. I'll come in and we'll get dealt with. That's kind of how that went down. How many brothers do you have? Um, You got one, right? I got like 14 brothers, so be careful. 
Is it like the Brotherhood? Yes, the Duke? that's right. It's like the Brotherhood, that's, and that's why we just landed Boogie. That's right. See, you clown, <laughs> but you don't understand. If you understood how the Brotherhood worked, you could get in. You could get in Roy's ear. And he could have a brotherhood I, in I Carolina, that bro- too. That brotherhood that shows up in droves. Like, it's my man Robert Bricky, Reggie Love, and then somebody he doesn't even remember playing for Duke shows up at the, the Army game. Well, everybody's got a brother they don't spend a whole lot of time with. I mean, isn't that okay. fair to say? That's why all these all these I mean, players. You've got, Wait, so you're saying you've got we, a host of siblings. I'm the wrong guy to ask. You've got a host of siblings. Are there or are there not siblings that you spend more time with than others? Yeah, just kind of out of, you know, location and proximity. So who's your walk-on sibling? (laughs) My walk-on sibling? I don't really have one. So what you're saying is you would remember everybody's name, right? Yeah, I mean. I guess you got that going. I just love the, you know, this brotherhood of Duke that is bringing all these players in, like, you know. Well, I was. It's funny that you you keep going on to that brotherhood. That is so deep inside your skin. It it's does hurt your fingernails. I love it. But here's what I was going to ask before the break: is is I had been thinking with three these three guys. You can't ever take a group of grown men and have them coexist as sort of equals in every aspect for very long. Somebody is going to kind of come become the guy that sort of drives the train. I think I have seen it, and I think it's R.J. Barrett. I think that these three guys have a lot of respect for one another, but I think that R.J. Barrett may be a little bit more advanced from a maturity standpoint from them, and I think that's because of the life experience and, and where he comes from. Um, R.J. Barrett, dad played NBA ball. Steve Nash is his godfather. This is a guy that grew up around a next level in terms of theory of the game and things like that. And to listen to them talk, I think all three of them thus far have done a very good job of sort of deflecting but not being, um, I don't know, fake about how they're dealing with this pressure. All of the spotlight in the college basketball world is squarely on those young men right now. And I think legitimately they're like, yeah, okay, we still got to go play ball. Interesting to see in the locker room after the Army game questions posed to both Zion and R.J. Barrett about Cam Reddish. And one thing that jumped out at me in particular, you know, somebody asked R.J. Barrett, well, are you surprised that Cam is knocking down these shots? And he really looked at him like, that's the dumbest question anybody's ever asked me. And so this is what he does. He does it every day in practice. He does it every game we played, you know, the tour that we were on. And the same question was kind of posed to Cam Reddish. Were you surprised that you had some of those uh, off-balance shots? And I thought I was going to hear false modesty, and he looked dead in the reporter's eye and said, no, I've been doing it all my life. That's what I – I am a shooter. And whether it's off balance or not, I'm going to knock down those shots. These guys, man, with that length, the size, the ability to put on the floor, very rarely is all of the hype warranted for a group of guys you've never seen do anything before. Dude, this is next level. The Fab Five – couldn't hold a candle to these guys in their big freshman year in college. Um, the Kentucky teams, I was in Lexington when Cali Parry. Wait, Cali hold on. Park. Timeout. Time. Yeah, you heard what I said. Oh, no, we didn't have a timeout. Sorry. No. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Um, Calipari, with these teams he put together at Kentucky, there were years where they had five, six, and seven big-time freshmen. Nah. 
They have not had a collection where these three were that good. And I'm going to say one thing, and this is the final thing, because I'm tired of talking about these kids already. It's going to be a long way to, to April, and I'm going to have to hold Bricky at arm's length because he's going so to let's talk, talk about, about him some more. The brotherhood. <laughs> Bagley and Wendell Carter last year. You had Bagley, Wendell Carter, Trevon Duvall, uh, Gary Trent Jr., Bagley and Carter headlined that class. All three of these guys, R.J. Barrett, Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, all three of them are better than either Bagley or Carter, period. Bricky, what say you? I would agree. I would agree. I think their maturity level is above where the guys from last year was, as well as they played some defense. Yes. Last year's team was atrocious. They had to yeah. zone it. And then Bagley was awful in the zone. He never knew his rotations. And so Carter got in foul trouble a lot of nights because Bagley was out of position. Uh, and I heard also that they – it was just a stopover before they got to the league. So they weren't overly interested in being in college very long because – Because these guys are four-year players that yeah. are in this year. That's right. They're, they're going to be there for – it just seems like I'm, I did not mean to step in here and like start to act like I'm attacking Duke, right? Because yeah, he did. <clears throat> I really didn't. But this group looks like they knew it was clearly communicated that you guys are going to be in the mix and be able to score twenty apiece, and you know you're going to your roles. Last year's group did not like Wendell Carter Jr. Thought he was going to be the guy, and then Bagley got landed late, and then they were just kind of stumbling over each other, a bad mesh. But these players clearly talked before they came to Duke, and now they're just like, I swear, I guarantee you this team right here could probably beat a pro team. And I don't don't like that conversation a lot of times. I don't like the Alabama beating the Bills. But this team could beat – a starting five. If you just take a starting five in the NBA, they could beat a team. It'd be an interesting game to watch. It'd be a good pay-per-view, have them play Cleveland starting five. Um, to compound what you said about last year's Duke squad, the fact that Duvall couldn't get out of Kay's doghouse and couldn't figure out how to make Kay happy, I think compounded everything because obviously, and it's it's shown itself as we've moved down the road, there was animosity between Bagley and Carter. But I think that both of those guys, reading between the lines and talking to folks close to the program, neither one of those guys bought into the program. They weren't hanging with the other players. It wasn't just a thing between the two of them. It was a thing between each of them and the rest of the locker room. Duvall, I don't know, man. He's, he's already shown in his, his young life a, a pattern of bad decision-making. Gary Trent was the one guy that was there that was just, I'm just going to keep making buckets. This squad, the guy that I worry about with this squad, and I don't think that it will necessarily have any impact on where they end up this year, I wonder what Trey Jones' role in this offense is going to be. Because in theory, it sounds great. Hey, we got these three wing slash post guys that are all world. We've got Trey to run the show, but that's not happening. We've seen in two games now, it's not Trey Jones running the point. He, he does it in bursts, but then there are other times, especially when they get out in transition, these guys aren't pulling down a rebound and looking to outlet to Trey Jones. They're pulling down the rebound, and they're like, here I go. And all three of them, Williamson, um, Barrett, and Reddish, can put the ball on the floor and take it all the way. So, Robert, what does Jones' role look like this in, in this team when it's operating at maximum capacity? 
I have no idea. All right, well, because he—that's why we got you here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just I, I've seen him a couple times. First of all, I think he needs to shoot the ball more. Do you? He, he took three shots yesterday. He he shoots the ball really well, but he's not a threat right now. He only shoots. He only takes a shot when. They drove and kicked twice, and he was the third option and got back around to it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and he doesn't, in my opinion, he doesn't push the ball enough. So I think they ought to get it to, in his hands because he's a great passer. Let him push it and and distribute, and then if it comes back to take the shot. So if I, you I had just, to, yeah. if you had to lay money right now, is he one and done? The way he's going, no, because he, he's, he's not he's not putting up the numbers to be a one and done guy. We talking about Jones? Yeah. I just think he needs to go. Um, Carmelo is going to open up his own shoot and shoot often clinic. He just needs to spend some time with Carmelo, and then he'll be just fine. Well, Carmelo's got plenty of time on his hands to mentor him now because he is, it appears, done in Houston. Yeah. So I didn't want to transition. My answer is he will go pro. He's not going to let Big Brother do the one undone thing, win the championship, and then stay Duke, stay well, at Duke for I, an extra year. But, I think he's going to. Big go. Brother was a much more integral part of the offense, right? And he earned his way to the next level. But right. I don't know, man. It was but such a, Jones Tyus, kind of rode his tournament performance. I don't think anybody yeah, got, in the country was like Tyus Jones going to be a starting NBA point guard, and, and then he t- goes off in the tournament. And, and like, Tyus, oh, okay. if Tyus was playing with this group right now, oh, dude, he'd be like. Right there, where his brother is. Like, I'm not I mean, sure that his brother's not at least as good. He just doesn't need to be. But I will ask you this: Do you think that Tyus Jones' experience in the NBA, and he finally is on the floor on a regular basis now up in in uh, Minnesota, but he sat, and you're not making life changing money as a mid round or late first round pick? Do you think, Brandon? He will use his brother's experience to guide him to either the positive or the negative. I think if Tyus could do it all over again, he'd come back to Duke for one more year. But he rode that wave. I mean, look at uh, what's the other guy, Grayson Allen. Oh, dude, he should have left when he was playing with House Coke Money. Player of the year. Yeah, you know, you're not gonna ha- you're not gonna have a better year because of the kids they're bringing in. And we've said it before, but for folks who who haven't heard us say this before, don't don't knock these kids that get all that notoriety, have had a great year, and are like, hey, I'm out. Because you could go the way of Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen lost millions of dollars. He was a lock as a lottery pick. He might have been a top five or six pick in the draft. DiVincenzo, look at DiVincenzo is a prime example. Prime, prime example for a couple of reasons. One, well, you have to wait. See what I got to say about that on the other side. You're listening from the cheap seats in Sanford, North Carolina. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio.
Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. You know what really gets a party started? Indoor baseball. Yeah, just find a broom or a pool cue, and you can use, like, anything as a ball. Cans, bottles, shoes. Hey, bro, toss me that avocado. Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Underage drinking and driving, the ultimate party foul. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. And now, from Sanford, North Carolina, Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins. Got money, got fame, fast cars and everything. Yeah. All right, welcome back from the cheap seats, Chris Lambert, Brandon Atkins, Professor Trent Nichols, and the inimitable. Robert Bricky, and it's good to know I'm not having another mini stroke and that I can actually enunciate words. I'm very proud of myself. Damn proud. Um, so I said we were going to talk football, and we ended up in basketball land, and now I want to talk more basketball. But before I do, I'm going to ask you guys a question. If you were Nick Saban right now, would you consider, and I'm serious about this, would you consider letting Jalen Hurts play the rest of the season at quarterback and sitting to it until you get to the playoff? I think that's a rational line of thinking. Rational. I like that. Because oh. Tua is going to win you the game. Dude. And and with their, their schedule left, they don't really have anybody to play, except maybe the uh, title game. Well, yeah, and the here's the thing. Is at this point, even if they lose in the title game. It, it won't matter. It doesn't matter. They're yeah. in. Of course, I don't know. Somebody's going to get left out. People have forgotten Clemson's undefeated. Uh, and, yes, the ACC's down this year. But Clemson, over the last four or five years, has built the same legacy Alabama has. Right. And they're a player or two away from being the repeat national champion. That, that uh, This would be the fourth time they're in the national championship it's, it's game a, against it's a Alabama. It's a dead set certainty it's going to happen. Oh, There is no doubt. Add that to my like my sound no. of where I was right nope. about them reloading instead of rebuilding. Add that to my sound. Oh my gosh, gotcha. this is going to be a. You're going to have to give you a half hour trail. We'll give you an infomercial. <laughs> 
for the show. That's what it's going to end up. Because you had, dude, Baron, I don't know how often you listen to the show. This dude has been money. He's like on an 18-month tear um, where he called a 16 over a 1 in the NCAA tournament. He called Pat Mahomes being the best quarterback in football. Um, he called, He's the only one in America called Philly over New England in the Super Bowl. And every time I think, oh, he's just taking a flyer so that he can look smart if he gets lucky, he gets lucky. I'm sick to death of it. I'm hey, not me? Gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Even the Lakers are coming back. <laughs> not this year. Not hey, this year. What, what are you guys – so, Trent, I want to hear you first of all because you have interesting takes about once a month. This is a perfect time for you to have one of those. Would you consider sitting Tua through the SEC regular season and championship game and rolling him back out? In fact, roll him out just for the championship game. You would not. No, just just the next game, because the next game's a, a flub game, and then you got Auburn, where you need him to play his three quarters, like you say. Who are they? Who are they playing next next week? Who are they it's, playing? The Sisters of Mercy. It's the lob, yeah, it's the lob. The Texas High normally, School. It's their for the second deaf. to last game, and they always play a nobody yes. team. You sit them, you let them rest, but that's it. If you rest too long, it's just like the NFL. You lose your your yeah. reps. You I don't thing. know. He rested for for four months last year and came out in the Dude, second they're half. They're playing of the, the Citadel. 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 They should not. Are there any Citadel. girls on the Citadel team? I think so. Yeah. But then they turn around and play Auburn yeah. and Georgia. Well, so, you I mean, play. Not... Yeah, you play Auburn and you play Georgia, look, and that's look, it. You rest look, one game. Look, look, Dude, look. you don't want to risk Auburn beating you oh, and God. Georgia beating you. <laughs> Ain't no way. <laughs> Auburn ain't getting any part of Alabama this year. With it Jaylen is not Hurts. gonna happen, dog. Jalen Hurts. I would rest him one game. You'd rest him one game. That's so he it. wouldn't play at all against Citadel. Yep. I think that's probably a safe bet. But I mean, look at their last five games of the season. They beat number three LSU handily. Yep. Mississippi State. That was a weird game, but they, you know they blank them, but they only score twenty four points with that state. Okay. Here but anyway, but this, I mean, you got those two rank up, two ranked opponents, Citadel. Okay, that's their usually their end of the year game. They play somebody like that, it's a Bethune yeah. Cookman or Samford or somebody, and and people are giving Nick Saban grief now, but they're not paying attention to what he does on the front side. Now, the fact that he doesn't have a whole a, a real great strength of schedule in the last few years, that's because the SEC is not as good as people think. Now. That said, LSU was overranked coming into that game. Mississippi State was way overranked because of the SEC, but the other conferences in the country aren't doing themselves any justice when I talk about the Power Five. The fact that UCF, USF, Cincinnati, all of these mid-majors are underranked says a lot to me. How many games consecutively does Central Florida have to lose, or excuse me, have to win before they actually get allowed and Come somebody on. invites them to the That's dance. That's what I was saying. It's ridiculous. This is I mean they're 8 and 0. They have a brand new coach. They haven't lost in 2 years. I mean this is stupid. It is stupid. You know what you needed to do? Forget Tiger Woods and Phil. Put those two teams on pay-per-view on the day after Thanksgiving, let them play and end this match. Is anybody going to watch that game on Friday or that match on Friday? I will because it will be broadcast live at Buffalo Wild Wings here in Sanford. Well, there you go. It's funny how to see how they're trying to sell it. Like it's like Tiger. He doesn't look like he cares. He's like, I'm going to kick his butt. I, it is. And then it's like weather. Mickelson's like, 
I'm gonna take his cheddar. Like it's so weak. It's dude, only the only the good other. thing about it will be them being mic'd up and listening to Phil talk smack. Dude, that's the thing though. Is they're trying to sell that well to yeah. you. Yeah, Mickelson Phil is a you know he gets to talking trash, He's and if Tiger Tar's talking back, he'll get him out of his game, brother. If they wanted to do pay per view and hear some trash talking, they should be me and Brandon on pay per view. No, you know what Go they should have done. Go find a couple club pros because those guys talk trash at Larry Bird levels. They should have put. All those women in all the towns that Tiger was banging during the time he was wife on every hole, and they should have put the IRS on the greens for Phil Mickelson and like see that. if they could have rattled them. I like that. They shouldn't have those two, Phil or Tiger, talking trash. They should just play, then hire a comedian for each one of them to talk trash. Yeah. Because I'm the worst golf player, player on this planet, but I swear to God, I'll be like – 20 over after nine and still be talking straight trash to you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, dude, that's you, how we you've roll. You've heard it a million times, I've heard right? it a million times. And let you get a couple beers at the at the turn, it's over with on the backside. I'm down. I've got one more idea to make it interesting. At every other hole, they ought to have a great big LED screen playing Phil Mickelson's skin medication commercials. What I don't even know what that drug is that he's doing the infomercials for, but that what is it, Propecia or something? What is, what is what is it? I don't know. We'll have to look that up. But that ought to be what he's doing. Because Phil will get out there and try and hawk anything, man. Or make you know what? Make Tiger Woods play with Nike clubs. How about that? They need the two dudes the old dudes that used to sit in the balcony at the Muppet Show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, the guys from Happy Gilmore. How come they won't let us produce something like this? We got to do this. The Muppet <laughs> Show. You can't do it. Just let them accommodate the whole thing. Just yes. talk trash. And I'm down. That would be fun. Dude, I ain't going to lie. I'd, 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 I'd get the pay-per-view to watch Shooter McGavin play oh, Phil yeah. Mickelson. I'd be down with that. Dude, they need to take shots after every missed putt. And they're like, they're like, I'm gonna they get, get a that drink nine million. Game. I'm gonna get that nine million. They're playing for charity, dude. Okay. I know we're, you know, philanthropic, great. Yeah. But either one of these guys could stroke a check for nine million and not really think twice right. about it. In fact, they probably Phil probably needs to. He needs to get more in tune with tax laws in the United <laughs> States of America. I got that's two that's and a half years, you, brother. I'll represent you. I got your back. That's how to get. And you. I know a hell of a financial manager too. That's we're, right. We're straight. Big guy from Happy Gilmore. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh what? Yes, most definitely. Jaws. Jaws. Get him in there, man. I don't think he's available anymore. Yeah, I think. Well, he's... well, Adam Sandler shot him in the head with a nail gun, so I don't know how that worked out. Anyway, how do we get off on <laughs> the this? The show's taking a turn. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> no, I mean, look, it's going to be Alabama Clemson. What are we even talking about? I, like, is anybody thinking it's going to be somebody sneaking in? Like, no. I think somebody could beat Clemson though. So who's it going to be though? That's the problem. Whoever the fourth team is. Well, the fourth team. I, I've said this before. Notre Dame is in. They are the third team. The fourth team is going to be the Notre winner of Ohio State, Michigan. Notre Dame's going to lose this weekend. You think Syracuse is going to get them? Is gonna, they're playing in the dome too. Well, they're going to get them. Syracuse can clear right a lot of Trenton. things up because if Syracuse gets past them, I think Oklahoma is in. Right. Assuming they get past West Virginia. Yeah. Oklahoma's going to be hard to keep out. And frankly, I think that when this is all said and done, if 
the winner of the Big Ten is either a one-loss one Michigan or Ohio State, I think they should be in. Assuming Oklahoma doesn't lose again, they should be in. And if West Virginia runs the table and gets past Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship, West Virginia should be in. Those two, along with Clemson and Alabama, will be the four teams that have earned their way in. Notre Dame, there is nothing they can do the rest of the way that's going to convince me they've earned their position in this. They have just Forrest Gump their way into it and lucked in. Right. That's how I feel about it. Except for that win against Michigan. The win against Michigan in week one. And if you know No, go back, but, but you cannot do that, though. I'm not. They t- they say those quality wins are quality wins. I got Mich- it. What other quality win do they have? I mean, I have to look it up. But, I mean, that, that Michigan game, there's another quality I'm not taking – Michigan nothing. is a quality win, for sure. But after that, they played the dregs of the ACC – they drew and, and it's not necessarily their fault. They have that rotating five game schedule with the ACC. Well, like you said before, it was garbage get this year. In a conference, then yeah, yeah they should conference. never be allowed to play in the playoffs. And you know, in my opinion, UCF is looking to go two straight years undefeated. And you know, last year the knock was well, they didn't play a tough schedule. They played a tougher schedule than Alabama. Okay, they um, Notre Dame beat number seven at the time Stanford. Come on. VT, Virginia Tech. Then they beat – they played – I mean, if they end up beating Syracuse in the Carrier – no, they don't even play them in the Carrier. They They play them at home. Ball State, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest, Stanford, VT, Pitt, Navy, Northwestern, and Florida State. I agree with Robert. They're going to either lose against Syracuse or – Against USC. They're not going to lose against Syracuse at home. I hope they lose against USC. I hope they do. Dino Babers, I like what Dino Babers has got going on. We're good. I I, I really hope Notre Dame doesn't get in because they haven't earned it. They need to be in a conference. UCF, though, one way or the other, unless there is complete pandemonium and things go crazy, UCF is frozen out. Because they've but, got to get past either the Big Ten champ, the Pac-12 champ, or the or the uh, Big 12 champ. And I just don't see that happening unless all of those teams beat up on each other. We'll see how it shakes out. I guess the, if you're a UCF fan looking for them to get in, your best hope would be for, first of all, <coughs> Oklahoma-West Virginia to split the rest of the way. They need whoever loses this upcoming game to play them again in the championship. Because you know the – the Big 12's got that stupid thing where we're just going to play our season and then the top two ranked teams are going to play. That's dumb. The Pac-12, dude, what happened to Bryce Love? Bryce Love was the Heisman Trophy winner coming into this. Did he go pro? What happened? Is he playing arena football? I haven't even heard this dude's name in, in six weeks. What's going on? He got hurt early. He's been hurt. But, but, but then, like you said, he we've not heard – that he's no. come back and had any impact because Stanford fell off the cliff in terms of wins and rankings. Speaking of guys that should get out while the getting's good, we were talking about it as it applies to college basketball. There's a prime example of a head coach that should have gone to the NFL or gone to one of those premium programs a couple of years ago and kind of while he was still riding the high of Andrew Luck. Mm-hmm. But instead, he may have stayed a little bit too long. We'll see. UCF needs to play for a plane, a plane crash. One of the teams need to go down. That was morbid. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Dude. That's about all that could happen. There's no plane crash. Okay. 
You okay, Trent? Yeah. No. What's you need a hug. Marshall better be at home this week. Are there any unattended bags in the studio or anything? <laughs> Plane crash. Wow. That was that that rattled me. I'm a little I'm a little freaked out. Sorry. Um, the UCF thing, injustice is coming down the pipeline. That's got to suck the soul out of the locker room, Trent, doesn't it? Do you have UCF's schedule pulled up by any chance? I can't. <clears throat> Cuz I I want to know if they can really compete with the top four in the country. Well, we'll take a look at the schedule. Then you can make an evaluation. You're listening from the Cheap Seats. Crystal Lambert and Brandon Atkins always help me with my draft picks, but I sure wish they would stop hanging out with Zeke Elliott. When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. But if you really want to know what's going on, Professor Trent, they should listen to you and me, Diamond Dave Kaplan. We've got a better grasp on sports, I think. It's astute analysis. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats. We are talking about college football right now and how UCF is going to get hosed. I think it's a foregone conclusion that UCF is going to get the shaft. Um, We'll see how things play out. I do still believe that Ohio State-Michigan, one of them is going to save the other's season. Uh, You're most likely looking at the winner of that game going on to win the Big Ten. So Thanksgiving weekend, big deal. I know where I'll be watching football. Um, I do think the last two out, like UCF, should do a pay-per-view. We were talking about pay-per-view. Last two out, I would pay for that. Because, you know, Alabama will never, you know, once they're in, they're not going to, you know, it does nothing to have them, like, play a team that didn't get in. But the last two teams play, I would watch that. Well, here's the other thing, too, man, is is Clemson-Notre Dame. Who 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 cares? I don't even care. I'm, I will because it's what I do, and 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 I love sports. But if you think I'm marking that date on my calendar to watch Clemson and Notre Dame play in the playoffs, you bumped your head. What if we do like an NIT for the foot, on the football side? We have the next four, and we do a separate tournament. I'm gonna tell you what. This is this is in all seriousness too. Is at some point the rest of the NCAA there's going to be a revolt. Mm-hmm. You've got UCF. I didn't realize this until earlier this year when I was doing some research. UCF has like the biggest undergrad population in the country right now. It's a huge school. And you can't take 
a population base like that. You know, if you got if you've got that big an undergrad population, there's some folks coming out of that program that are making some cheese. Mm-hmm. And those are the people that makes things like these go. So maybe that's the ticket. Um I I have said before that I think the only thing that could blow the playoff up would be the year that an SEC team does not make it. That ain't gonna happen as long as Nick Saban's at Alabama. One of these years, maybe all the stars can align. College football being the 1A or 2 sport in the country, as far as our consciousness, people that live outside the southeastern United States, they don't even know that in the southeast, when you get into Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, and and northern Florida, it is king. There is nothing else that's, that's a close second to it. The rest of the country, yeah, we get. Not trying to disparage or, or say that you love football less, but you don't get what college football is like in the Southeast, period. Um, if the SEC were to have a year where they got locked out and had beaten up on each other and had a bunch of three-loss teams or whatever, that would force the system to change. But other than that, it's going to take a school like UCF. I'd love to see UCF file a class action suit, to be perfectly honest. There you go. That's it. You file an injunction. When you get out of school. Yeah. Ah, hey, dude. Trent, what what their schedule look like? See, that's the problem, though. If you go off their schedule, look but at you've got to look at you've got to look, look left. at the points that they've scored. In my opinion, Did so they beat read? UConn fifty six seventeen, South Carolina State thirty eight nothing. Their game against UNC got canceled. Uh, they FAU would, they, they beat fifty six thirty six. Pittsburgh they beat forty five fourteen. SMU they beat forty eight twenty. Uh, Memphis they beat thirty one to thirty, ECU they beat thirty seven to ten, Temple they beat fifty two to forty, Navy they just beat thirty five twenty four. They have Cincinnati left and USF. That's the two big games of the year for them. Now Cincinnati didn't do them any favors, nor did USF. USF I think dropped two. Cincinnati's nine and one. USF yes. is seven and three. Well, Cincinnati beat USF this weekend. Mm-hmm. Cincinnati needed to run the table. And they dropped a game. But and neither one of them are ranked. Their last they two were, appointments. USF and Cincinnati were both ranked at different oh, times okay. this season. USF now has lost three games. Cincinnati was ranked, and as soon as they dropped one, they're out of the top 25, which is crazy because I can be Mississippi State and be at 500 and, and be ranked at this point with the way the SEC is giving the love. But I digress. My thing is maybe it's going to take a school like UCF to file and get an injunction. I don't know. That would be interesting. I don't know from a collectively bargained standpoint or their membership with the NCAA how that would work, but this nonsense, man. I want to see UCF get a crack at these guys. Have a collective bargain agreement. Too. I mean, when you College? look at it, they, the NCAA basically serves as their union. It would seem yeah. to me like they've all signed on for what the NCAA wants to do, yeah. but it needs to be quit driven by the big five, the power well, five. Last year was the win- the time to sue. This year, Carolina's awful, right? Well, that's what I was saying. And ECU's, Their schedule doesn't do them any favors. ECU's normally fairly good. Pitt is normally a, a pretty good program. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you're scheduling these things a couple of years out, like, you're just the uh, – you're at the mercy of, you know, just your how the teams are playing. I, I, I agree with Well, that's you. why I think shoot. it was the matter of how bad they beat the heck out of a lot of these teams. 
that you got to take into accord, not the team that they played. I get you. How much they're ringing it up. And last year, the two wins against Memphis were big wins. You know, they beat yeah, South Florida. Because Memphis was a lot better last but, year. But the, the piece of this is, though, you look at Alabama last year and you look at that legit strength of schedule, it wasn't strength, strong at their all. Their strength of schedule is not strong this year either. Well, it's better this year than it was last year because LSU is playing good ball. See how we're kind of struggling with this conversation? Like, it's a huge struggle to to try to work UCF into the Final Four or make them relevant. Dude, this whole system's so broken. Like, Alabama just loading up every year. And then, like you said, SEC, it's going to take an SEC being left out. And how that hasn't happened with Big 12, like Texas not making it, Oklahoma getting their butts whooped, not making it in there, screw the Pac-10, 12, wherever they are now. ACC is like in the national championship game probably for the fourth year in a row. Who saw that coming? Well, yeah, I know, but I think that's what you said. The Pac-12 being so horrendous the last four years hurts. It does. You're help. losing. You're losing a conference that it doesn't hurt everybody else that's east of that conferences to be like. Psh, they don't deserve to go. Well, Washington they, State. Do you want Washington State, the best team in the Pac-12, in the playoffs? No. And no. the problem. The problem with the Pac-12 is compounded by the fact that they play so many of their games in the middle of the night. That. You know, yeah, you got the West Coast folks that are watching them, but us, we've got football exhaustion. But if you by the cross time the, the Mississippi, college football is not I what agree. it is. You know, I agree. you I mean, said it already. I mean, you're out there in LA with Southern California. Where's USC football in the pantheon of LA sports? Yeah, no. Just LA sports. I mean, what fifth, sixth? Yeah. Come on, man. So. And it, how is Nick Saban getting all these players, bro? He's like he's got a brotherhood there. I get, but <laughs> I mean that's. South. Because they're winning. That's a big question that's, that's mark it. for me. And they're all like, going how to the – how many uh, Alabama players went to the NFL last year? A 1,000. And the year before. But that's the thing. So, unfortunately, it's kind of like the reverse to me of college basketball. <laughs> they're kind of doing their time in Alabama knowing that if they are the creme of the creme, this is the program that if I want to get to the NFL, i got to sign with Alabama. Uh, yes, but here's the other thing that people discount – and this is this is where we get it screwed up. How many big time players come through Alabama that do not play up to their potential? Nick Saban develops these guys. Getting your hands on them is one thing. You can load up these recruits and bring in these great recruiting classes, but if you don't know what to do with them, dude. Well, yeah, how but many, that's the thing. How many times did Mac Brown have the best recruiting class in the country at University of Texas? And they managed to win one national championship. How many years do you have to play in college football before you can go to the NFL? Three. So if it was one and done. It'll never be one and done. I know, but that's the exact point. Yeah. So if you had to pay three years, if Duke had to have these four freshmen or five freshmen for three years, how good would they be? I got you. No, no, no. I'm not saying saying that that Alabama doesn't get some of the best recruits in the country. Of course, they have to they uh, develop them. Well, there are, there are a couple things at play. First of all, when you look at Alabama and how they recruit, they've cracked the code because they don't just go find, oh my God, we got to go get these guys because they're the best in the country. They have a specific mold and a specific skill set 
that they're looking at for every position on the football field. Yeah. Wide receiver being a prime example. You don't see undersized receivers that are trotting out there at Alabama. They go get big, long, fast guys who have a particular skill set so they can plug them right in there and play. You look at defensive linemen. You look at linebacker. They're looking for exactly the same things. They look for guys that can play their system. In the secondary, all of these Alabama guys that we talk about, well, they get drafted high. You don't see a lot of these guys that are superstars in the NFL. Chris, I want to stop you, man. Sure. They haven't cracked any code, dude. I mean, that's my question: is like, how do you get all the best players year in and year out since he's been there? Like, I think he got fairly lucky, and he's good at his job at LSU when he got their their ring. But year after year after year. Every position you get the best players. I think you've like, forgotten. He, I think he, you've forgotten. There's how no, Georgia had a better recruiting but, class this but last my year. Point, than Alabama. My point is, is that you have right. the Georgias, you got the Alabamas. Yeah. Like, we I mean, I mean the uh, Auburns. They should be able in the SEC to recruit these players equally. Alabama, what, 15 years ago? What, what were their records then? All of a sudden, because. I personally don't even like Nick Saban. I don't like hearing him talk. And I have a hard time believing that some teenager goes, oh, yeah, he's really tapping into like what I'm, what's in my head right now. All right, well, How is he getting the players other than paying them? Well, uh, wow. That's Uh-oh. twice it's That's twice in one show. We'll see if Brandon Atkins got a third on the other side. You're listening to Chris Lambert and Brandon Atkins on From the Cheap Seats. A production of Cheap Seats Radio. Are you ready to sell your home and don't know which realtor to choose? Well, not all realtors are the same. I'm Crystal Copas, and I don't just stick a sign in the yard, throw it in the MLS, and hope to collect a commission. I provide a customized marketing plan that includes professional staging, photography, videography, and drone at no cost to you. Contact me, Crystal Copas, with Remax Real Estate Service, and let's get your house sold. 919-356-5402 or visit me at crystalcopas.com. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. I'm Chris DeLambert. I'm Brandon Atkins. I'm Professor Trent Nichols. Coming to you from the cheap seats. Welcome back to From the Chief Seats. I'm Chris DeLambert. The whole crew is here. And I just got schooled. I did not know that porn star Belle Knox was a Duke. Is she, was she, is she a Duke graduate? Let's make sure we, we don't give her credit for. I am not sure. We got we got a crack. And then see what the name of the movie was. I think they made a movie out of it. That's amazing. Yeah. But the way the sports tie-in here goes is that. She apparently was involved in an accident at a Washington Capitals hockey game. Trent, what happened? She 
She got hit with a uh, a puck. Where did the puck hit her? Right in the chest. And what happened to her chest? It popped. That is awesome. Yeah. That really happened. You're not making that up. I'm not getting. No, I'm, I'm not getting punked. Nope. That's amazing. I'm going to confirm it here in a minute. All right. Well, cool. That's kind of gross. That is kind of gross. All right. So I need, as always, on Thursday evenings, I will be at Libations on Chatham hosting trivia. Baron Atkins, who now is a Sanfordidian, needs to be over there. His brother doesn't like coming out anymore, but he needs to come over there. And speaking of which, I, you haven't been in since they finished the bar, have you? No. Oh, God. Yeah, it's dope. Um, Got to give it up to my friend Jimmy Stewart, who did the work over there. It only took him about three years to finish the bar, but it is worth every minute he put into it. That bar is amazing. They did a really good job with it. Does but, Jimmy Stewart have a wonderful life? Yeah, he does. I, I mean, he's got nothing else to do but go build a bar for his cousin Richard. So, I mean, no, he did a great job. You know, Jimmy's a successful guy in his own right for him to kind of, you know, hang out. Um, all right, so here we go. Um, more and more millennial students are turning to sex work to pay their way through their studies as a lucrative alternative to typical cafe or bar jobs. The temporary career move looks to have paid off for the ambitious former porn star Belle Knox as she is studying to become a lawyer in New York City. According to the website Page Six, the 22-year-old who paid her way through her undergrad at Duke by starring in porn is now enrolled at NYU School, or excuse me, New York Law School in Tribeca and has no reservations about discussing her past. That is fabulous. Awesome. Her real name is Miriam Weeks. She shot to st- shot to stardom aged just 18 in 2013 as she entered the adult industry with the express purpose of paying off her steep tuition fees. <laughs> Well, Listen, all right. Now, I know some scenarios. Oh, uh, my bad. I'm, I'm wrong. It's a different point. Oh, it was Mia Khalifa. Yeah. That's crazy. I Mia Khalifa is Duke like. Too. What's that? <laughs> Didn't she go to Duke? Uh, she no. did not go to Duke. She went to Florida State, okay. if I'm not mistaken. I'm sorry. Yeah, Florida my State. Bad. So it my was bad. not Bell Knox. You guys messed that up. Mia my Khalifa. Bad. But Mia Khalifa's whole shtick is that she is the sports girl. And she has been on very. She's been on a variety of radio shows and podcasts. She has been invited to appear with us several times. Yeah. And I thought at one point via Twitter messages we were going back and forth that she was going to do the show, and she has not. So I will continue to work for that. I, what, how long ago did that happen? Because I had not heard that. Last year's playoffs. Last year's playoffs. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Because she, if I'm not mistaken, is out of porn now. I don't think she's doing that anymore. She now has become a talking head. And she's a big sports fan, does a lot with the Caps, and I think with the Redskins. I think she's a big Redskins fan. But, yeah, Mia Khalifa, she actually, on a couple of occasions, got involved and had some funny stuff going on social media with regard to recruiting and things like this, you know, propositioning players. How do you know so much about this, Chris? Mia Khalifa, I'm a sports sports nut, dude. A sports nut? Mm-hmm. I, look, Are you sliding in her DMs? I, I, no, she actually hit me up, to be perfectly honest, um, and hit me with something innocuous, and I was like, hey, and we went back and forth. But no, she has not yet appeared on the show. Um, she actually, I think what she focuses on is things in that region where she can travel and be on um, because being voice only doesn't have a whole lot of value for her. She likes to be on camera as well. So 
That's what's up. I guess um, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Oh, my God. Wait a minute. Now, that's interesting. So, Mia Khalifa hosts a daily sports talk show. What DC athlete would be the perfect in terms of being crazy? Gilbert Arenas. You got it. Boom. Just like that. I was there, not looking at anything. No, you that's weren't exactly what it was. Yeah. Her and Gilbert Arenas host a show now. From, I guess, about the beginning of the is year. It, is it sponsored by the NRA? Uh, probably. Is it called Guns in My I Locker? I think it's sponsored by Pornhub <laughs> and the Christian Coalition for Gun Rights. I don't know. Anyway, um, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler. Bricky, you know Elton Brand personally. Is that correct? Correct. All right. Elton Brand, I don't think I can think of a time or an instance where a general manager, and Elton Brand's been on the job about three weeks, has robbed somebody in the way Elton did in their first move they've made. Because I don't think there were any other personnel moves made before he made this trade. Um, This catapults Philly forward. We're going to get to how far we think they might have risen or, or whatever the case might be. But before we say anything else, I want to I want to say to every pro franchise out there, unless you have Bill Belichick or someone of that stature, this is why you don't let your head coach be your general manager. Tom Thibodeau went into this process with a couple of stated goals. One was that he refused to deal Jimmy Butler inside the Western Conference. His thinking that he would be helping out his direct competition trying to get into the playoffs. Second, he wanted veteran players that could help now as opposed to picks, and he didn't want somebody just for the sake of expiring contracts. So he accomplished all three of those things. But now as the whispers percolate to the surface as to the things that were out there as alternatives, this trade looks like garbage. Now, That said, Jimmy Butler leaving Minnesota had to happen. They brought in two pieces in Dario Saric and Robert Covington that are actually good fits for that team. Saric gives them someone that might actually be willing to go get down on the block while Carl Anthony Towns goes out and becomes a perimeter player, which is what he seems inclined to do. And Covington is a good 3 and D who's on a good contract. Saric is cheap. He's still on his rookie deal. He's got a couple years left. Covington, relatively cheap, 11, 12 million a year for the next three and a half years. Good pieces. If Minnesota would find a taker and deal Jeff Teague and his $19 million for this year and his player option that he will obviously exercise during the offseason, that would open up about $25 million. And in theory, they could go seriously shop for somebody to come in and be the third piece. But haven't we already seen this? Didn't they have the third piece? Tom Thibodeau, Brandon Atkins, can you think of one person on the planet who is more miserable than Tom Thibodeau? Um, Bill Bill Belichick? No. Except he wins. Like, he wins. <laughs> he, so he's got that going for him. Thibodeau is like... Dude. 
I mean, he's just like, you know, how there's fun. We'll just use the restaurant industry. Like, there's some managers that are kind of fun, but they kind of hold you to task. And But they're like, hey, yeah, we'll have, after our shift, we'll have a beer here and make it fun. And then there's that one manager that's like, you're not wearing enough bling on your, like, you're not wearing enough buttons. Where's your, where's your, and that's Thibodeau, Flair. Thanks, Baron. Flair. Flair from the movie. You're not yeah, wearing yeah, enough Flair? Space. That's Thibodeau. Thibodeau. Yes. Or Thibodeau. One of those. Thibodeau. No, Thibodeau to me, first of all, he reminds me of Wimpy from Popeyes. I'll gladly pay you for a cheeseburger on Tuesday for a cheeseburger today. He is one of those guys that sits in the balcony at the Muppet Show. And has nothing nice to say about it. Has nothing nice to say. Yeah. Thibodeau. He'd be that one guy. You know how there's – Y'all, you know, if you have a poker game or you're going out, there's all that one, there's that one dude that shows up. He's somebody's buddy that's just weird. And nobody, just not, nobody likes him. Nobody but likes nobody him. Nobody says anything about him. Yeah, he's just yeah. kind of over there oh, in the Jeff corner. And, yeah. Well, if you if you walked into a let, let's say that you walked into a coach's clinic, and there were fifty coaches there that were there to for a seminar or whatever the case might be. And you were there down low trying to find the guy to lead your program. Thibodeau would be 50 out of 50 every time. Maybe 49 out of 50 because there's no telling what that 50th guy could be like. But Thibodeau would be down there. No moxie, no charisma. There is nothing I've ever seen nor heard come out of his mouth that would make me think me in any capacity would want to follow that guy. Period. He reminds me of the guy from Despicable Me. <laughs> That's it. Except that guy's cool and funny. Like, once you get to know him, but now he's just yeah, like. he's like the guy from Despicable Me for the first 15 minutes of the movie. Right. Before the child touches his heart and kind of turns him good. And before the minions show up and start making all the kids laugh. So what? The Timberwolves would have been better off with a trade. The two other offers, Eric Gordon, Nene, and two first-round picks, or from the Pelicans, Nico Mert. If they had a chance to get Miritich, first-round pick, they should have taken Miritich in a one. Boom. The problem that Minnesota's had is they've had nobody that can shoot the ball from the outside. So the T Wolves asked for Drew Holiday, and the Pels said he was off. That was never going to happen. Why would they ask? That was their offer. Nico and a first round pick, or Eric Golden, uh, Gordon, Nene, and two first round picks. Okay, and then we of course know that Houston had the deal out there where they were dangling four number four. ones and two expiring contracts. That was the deal to take. In the NBA, we've said this before: you cannot trade your own picks in consecutive years, and you can only trade picks out seven years in advance. So, four number ones were all that Houston could have given them in terms of their own pick. And I'll be honest with you, if they could have traded more, I think they would have given five, six, maybe seven. Because Houston looks at it and they're like, we're going to be picking 28 through 32nd every year. So, this is how we're going to roll. How many teams in the NBA? 30? Did I just add a couple teams to the NBA? Don't worry. Is it 30? We're not, we're not concerned about facts. It's 32? You sure it's 32? Not sure. But oh. I'm, that's a good guess right anyway. here. My point is, is that Houston thought they're going to be low picks. No big deal because we'll go spend money so we can just supplement, and, you know, whatever. And instead of having late-round picks on our bench, we'll have a couple of guys that are on 
you know, veteran max or veteran minimum deals. Speaking of veteran minimum deals, veteran minimum deal for uh, Carmelo Anthony is about to be cut, and he's gone. He's out the door. Um, that mm. didn't last long. Yeah, that's a butterfinger. Or like a Milky Way, you can get mellow right now for oh, like that. That one hurt. That, that one hurt my soul, dude. I think it's good for the league for him to be out. I don't I, know how you feel. Like I don't know if it's well. I don't know that there's been any value in Mello being in the league for a while. He's not what he thinks he is. Now, Brick, you said coming into the season, this was the one place that it might work, right? And that he might be a good ad. What's gone wrong? Well, I don't think it's all on Mello. I think at this point, it's the fact that they lost Ariza and Mbamute. Uh, they get, they got and the, everybody else is not interested in playing defense. And then you add Carmelo, who has never been interested in playing defense. <laughs> then they're not they weren't shooting the ball well as a team, and they're getting beat. So it's I think it was a combination of things. He just came at the wrong time. All right, we'll talk more about the Houston Rockets struggles on the other side. You're listening to From the Cheap You're Seats. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats from Sanford, North Carolina. I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hey Clarice, can we please put on the new Justin Bieber album? Hold on, Dad will be mad if we don't listen to From the Cheap Seats. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. I started to say Amiga Sidetrack, which happens all the time. I will be Thursday night, 6.30, from 6.30 to 8.30 at Libations on Chatham. They've got the new bar finished. It's dope. A whole lot more beers on tap now than they used to have. I think they're running 16 taps. Uh, Come on out, play trivia with us. There is no cost to play. Uh, Teams of up to five people. I am the host. This will be the last one for a minute because Thanksgiving weekend we will, or Thanksgiving week we will not be doing it. Um, playing for cool prizes, get to hang out with some cool people, drink some cool beverages. I usually tease a category in honor of Mia Khalifa's injury. It will be gruesome sports injuries will mm. be the category this week mm. that we add. So Thursday, 6.30, libations on Chatham. Come on out and check that out. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Gruesome sports injuries. I'm sure Joe Theismann will make the list. Yep. Who else you got? Easy Ed McCaffrey. I don't remember Ed McCaffrey having a gruesome injury. On the first game of the year on a Monday night against San Francisco. Whoa. I'll have to look. What was no, the kid's name from Syracuse in the tournament? Ooh. From Syracuse or no, from Louisville? It was Louisville. Louisville. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then you got to add Hayward. You got to add. Uh, yeah, Hayward is uh, fresh in everybody's consciousness. The Pacer guy. Oh, uh, Paul George. Paul George. Anderson Silva's leg going oh, sideways. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. That was a good one. That was foul. Did, Speaking of which, did you guys did see. Did you see the elbow? I saw. I watched it. I stayed up, and I never <laughs> stayed watch, stay up to watch UFC. This not on pay per view. FS1 carried it this weekend. It was. Um, Did you see it? 
Which one? Oh, he has a scene. He'd know. Oh, man. So, the yeah. premium matchup to the night, and the only uh, – this is this is the no-bull story. The only reason I stayed up to watch is because I wanted to watch the Korean zombie. Right. Just I am not name. a big UFC. Just the name. That's it. <laughs> I am not a big UFC fan. I stayed up just to watch somebody called the Korean zombie. That makes sense. And in the final match of the night, was it Rodriguez? Is that who he was fighting? I think so. Yeah. So, last match of the night, five-rounder. These guys are both stand-up strikers. They were beating the crap out of each other the whole way. And I I don't know that they ever did say what the scorecards had the fight at the end of the fight. Evenly matched. They were beating the crap out of each other. Blood everywhere. Smash faces. I don't think they went to the ground the entire fight. They get close to the end, and twice in the last 90 seconds or so, they like took a break and congratulated each other and did up to the crowd. And literally, as the final horn was sounding to end the match, oh yeah, the Korean zombie came in with a left that Rodriguez ducked and threw up his right elbow and knocked him out cold. Literally, as the buzzer was sounding. If you haven't seen it, man, I had to watch it five times to figure out what happened. To see what just went down. And they had to show from a different angle. Oh, cool. And then he falls, and he's out before he hits the mat. Cold. As soon as it strikes, he hits the ground. And as he's hitting the ground, the final horn sounds, and the ref is waving it off into the fight. It was bananas. So... I am happy that I stayed up until quarter after one because that's what time the thing ended. Um, It was awesome. Oh, no. (laughs) Why did you do that? Bro, you got to throw that. Yeah, there was a warning, man. In these gruesome (laughs) injuries, rest in peace, Kimbo Slice. Remember he, like, punched that guy's ear and it exploded? (laughs) I didn't see that one. You gotta you gotta throw that in. I will see that that may be too obscure, but I do remember being in the middle of nowhere at about three o'clock in the morning in Germany, watching the Holyfield Tyson fight Dude. when Holyfield bit his arm. Or Can bit I his, not bit his sit by off. this bit guy? Ear off. Please. <laughs> what kind of? Ah. It's horrible. Dude. Ah. Yeah, Baron's pulling up pictures on his phone and uh, gruesome injuries. We went Pleasure. from porn stars to broken legs. And he's a little like, bit too excited it. about yeah, the yeah, gruesome yeah. injuries over yeah, there. Ah. His face is starting to concern. Ay, ay, ay. The worst is the guy that got javelin oh. <laughs> hey what about the dude in in the nhl that got his throat slashed yeah with his gate was three minutes away from dying yeah it hit his artery man oh man oh man i can't watch that you'd look no. down and there's just like a pile of blood yeah pool of blood on the ice have oh. you guys seen have you guys seen jim carrey's new show on i don't know is it amazon i think it's on amazon but i'm not sure it could be hulu could be netflix could be network for all i know but he's got a new new show called kidding I think it's Amazon. Is it? Is it I, I think, think it's Amazon too. Um, have you seen the show? No. So I, I'm not going to give anything away, but there is a bit that's playing through in his head, and Tara Lipinski is actually on the ice in an ice capades type show, and exactly that happens. She ends up getting her throat slit by a passing skate blade and bleeds to death on the ice. Is the show any good? Ah, uh, it's interesting. Okay, it's interesting because he's been away for a while, so. It is. It's very, He's very, weird. very, 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 very dark humor. Okay. Very He's like dark. so weird from he, his in living color, you know, right. color days. Dude. He's just yeah. weirdo. 
I'm not a big. I've never been a big fan. What of is the? If we were to do the math, what do you think the gross worth of the cast from Living Color of In Living Color would have been? Holy moly, yeah. Jamie Fox, bro. dude. Not I mean, not as much. J Lo, J Lo, J Lo, Jim oh, Carrey, no. the the Wayans brothers. Yeah, oh my Wayans god, family. dude. Billions, 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 billions. All right, so back to the Jimmy Butler deal. I told you all of the things I think are wrong with the Minnesota side of this. I do think from a basketball standpoint, especially when you look at how Cat, how good he's been without Jimmy Butler in the lineup, I think it's good. I don't think they lose anything is on he defense. Worth the three seed. Huh? That's the highest they'll go in the East is a three seed. Oh, right, you're getting ahead of us, brother. Because first of all, Just I want to I want to ask along. the question: Can Minnesota now? Here, here's the here's the other thing I want to throw out at you that you've lost sight of. When they brought Jimmy Butler in last year, first of all, the price tag basically was Larry Markinen and Zach Levine. So what has happened here is Minnesota dealt Laurie Markinen and Zach Levine for Robert Covington and Dario Saric. That's an impossibly one-sided deal. But Minnesota, schematically, they add a little bit of shooting. They don't lose any defense. They were 37-22 and 22 last year before Jimmy Butler got hurt. Fourth best record in basketball. People forget how good they were last year because Golden State sucks the oxygen out of every conversation and Houston was having an impossibly good regular season. Minnesota was the third or fourth best team in the regular season. Jimmy Butler goes down, they never get it back. Everything falls apart in the offseason. My question is, Tom Thibodeau brings – Sarich and Covington in, thinking this is going to save his job. Robert, is there any chance? I think he may have accelerated his exit. Boom. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, first of all, Wiggins is not what you thought he was going to be. Cat wants to be a perimeter player now. Uh, you bring in two guys that probably won't help you. So you have downgraded your roster in an already crazy situation only just making comments about Butler and getting him out. And, and now it's been all over the map. So it doesn't seem like behind the scenes uh, relationships are doing well in Minnesota. So I think he may have uh, lit his own fire uh, toward his own exit. Well, and Minnesota is like four and nine right now. That's what's so crazy about the Lakers talking about, you know, everybody's worried about the Lakers. Are they going to win? After you get after the Nuggets at what, nine and four? The rest of the league is almost at 500. And and watch out for Toronto. Like, they've only lost one game. Yeah, Toronto's that, nice. That's crazy. But, yeah, Thibodeau, like, I've never been a big fan. Um, of, of Wimpy, that. you mean? What's that? <laughs> of Wimpy. Just whatever you want to call him. I've never been a big fan. He found some players. He had, um, what's his name in Noah. Chicago? Rose. Rose, Derek Rose, who he, how is he mad at the world all the time? Like, he cheated in college. He, like, put that whole, uni- you know, university with Kalapari, buried that whole thing, and he just always seems to be wronged at every, you know, every time he turns a corner, it, like, I'm, I'm mad because I'm a cheater and I'm a well, liar. Don't turn the corner too quick, you'll blow your knee out. Oh, exactly. But, like, I mean, <laughs> Thibodeau, I'll see a Mi- picture of it from <laughs> Barron over there. <laughs> exactly. Minnesota is like probably the 20th, between the 15th and 20th best team in the league right well, now. Well, there are different ways to do it, and different teams are going about it different ways, and I think everybody's sort of aspiring to get to where Golden State's at. Um, nobody's going to get there. But 
this, no matter how you look at it, is a star-driven league. Every team that's on the cusp is trying to figure out where can we get another star. You don't trade stars for pieces because a couple of pieces, Bricky and I were talking about this. Robert Covington is a nice ball player. He is very ordinary, very replaceable. You don't have to give up a star to go get a guy like Robert Covington. You could have done that this offseason. You could do it next offseason. You could actually draft well, which is something Minnesota's never done. So, Minnesota, you've blown this. And the only way you could make this right is take the $8.5 million you're getting in Jared Bayless from Philly, buy him out, deal Jeff Teague, and between the two of them, you've got about $27, $27.5 million to use. That would be great if anybody in the NBA wanted to go to Minnesota yeah, to play. That, that was going to be my point. Is It's cold. Okay, so you, you're not, you don't draft well. You turn down the draft picks. And you think you're going to sign a free agent to go to Minnesota? That's a bad plan. So the, the players they've had over the years, they've drafted. The few good ones they've had. So you should have taken the picks and hope that pan. And hope that hopefully they pan out at just players because I can't see whoever's going to be on the market. Uh, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is not going to leave New Orleans and go to Minnesota. He's no. going to L.A. He well, might be. I, but he's not going to, you know, Rick, he's going you, said, you said with the picks, the other thing with the picks, we already said, you can't trade your own picks in consecutive years. If I've got four first rounders from somebody else, oh, I can deal those. Right. And I can package them with my own. That would have made Minnesota a player in every single trade possibility right. exactly. coming down the pipe for the last for the next two or three years. Instead, they settled for Covington and Sarich. And Sarich I like him. He is a nice ball player. Got a nice skill set, seems to be willing to do the dirty work. People forget, you know, he was a rookie of the year contender a couple years ago. He's all right. But again, very replaceable. You don't get two pretty good guys when you're giving up a legit star. Jimmy Butler has got his warts. Jimmy Butler's a great two-way player, though. In an age where everybody wants to score the basketball, willing athletic defenders that can also score the basketball, they're, they're hard to come by. Now, when I would we come say, back from the break, I want all of you guys to tell me what you think this does for Philly. Okay. We'll take a look at where they're at relative to everybody else that's in the league, whether you think Toronto's legit or not. Boston, I've got some questions about their chemistry, but we want I want to get both of you guys to analyze and tell me what you think of Jimmy Butler being added to Philly. We'll see what you have to say on the other side. Thanks for listening to From the Cheap Seats. we got half an hour left to go. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Welcome back to The Cat Show. Up next, we have Nico. Nico is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their sunspot sleeping, ball chasing, leg rubbing, and of course, companionship. Just look how she struts. It's like she owns the place. And see how she curls up and cuddles her person. The pitch on her purring is simply perfect. Nice one. Fantastic cat. But really the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Nico is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. 
Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve. I try to make it entertaining. You're listening to From the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. You may not like your seats, but you'll love the show. All right, welcome back from the Cheap Seats. we got half an hour left to go. I want to get to some NFL. Um, and I also want to hear specifically what Robert Bricky and Brandon Atkins have to say about what Jimmy Butler means to the Sixers schematically. However, before I do that, and I need to credit Baron Atkins for this, he said, the question you should ask, and, and he actually sounded like that. It didn't sound like, the question you should ask. <laughs> he got all the gravel in the family. He's like, the question you should ask is, if you won a national championship, would you go to the White House? And I was like, that's an awesome question. So, if you were back at Duke right now, and you guys won the national championship, would you be going to D.C. to shake the orange hand of the president? No. Hell no. Trent. That was a hell to the If you won a gold medal in curling at the next Winter Olympics, would you go to the White House to shake the president's hand? And the only reason the curling team would get invited is because everybody else already said no. I would because I want to see if his hands are smaller than mine. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Let Let me give you some background on that. And the reason I say that is, I wouldn't want to meet anybody like that dude. So it's just not just because of the president. Just I just I, would you want that dude in your life? And that's how I judge a lot of things. Like I wouldn't want to have a beer with that guy, and that determines a lot. Of oh. people, a lot of people. That's who I. If I can't have a beer, I with wouldn't him. want to have a beer with him. But I would like to do tequila shots in an evening with him. Because there's no telling yeah, what, what we can get. And with his resources, dude, we'd end up in Dubai. <laughs> so, no, I don't want to have a beer with him and be like, hey, it was nice hanging out with you. But if he wants to shoot tequila all night he'll and get torn, right to the factory. I'm down. Yeah, right? We'll go buy a tequila company by the time it's all said and done. So I'm down. Brandon. First of all, he doesn't drink, so whatever. I'm gonna that, 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 that is a problem. Fine. I don't trust, trust a man. Yeah, that's that yeah, now. I'm with you, Brittany. I don't, I don't trust a man that doesn't drink. So there yeah, you go. I'm I'm with you 100. percent I would go. Oh, uh, yeah, you would. And the reason I would go is because when's the next oh. chance I'm gonna go get up in the White House? It would I would it would be two parter. I want to see Melania in person, and I want to get up in the White House. And the I mean, food has got to be good because you don't ever remember. No, you can keep it close to your soul. I turned the I turned that president down. You know what I mean? Like I didn't want to meet him. You make your statement. People remember that part of it, but the people that actually went. You never, you never criticized for trying to go to the White House right. and you know no, looking at all the different decision. rooms. But if you were in the Brotherhood, you could call Reggie Love, yeah, and get you a tour. That would be kind of cool. I'd like to see de- any of the uh, decorations that Michelle did up in there. Is it still there? <laughs> I don't. I have no idea. Or did they Melania Melania tear all that know. out? She's, has she been to the White House? Who? Melania. Melania. I don't even think she can find it on the map. She's like, this house is not good enough for me. (laughs) Where is all the gold? Yeah. I go with Willie Nelson. (laughs) 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 Who 
who's the who's the Ohio State coach that just got canned? The the uh, wide receivers coach. Who's the guy that's at the root of that whole Urban Meyer incident? I don't know. Didn't he the one that like took Snake. crazy selfies in the Lincoln yes. bedroom or something? Yes, yes, that was yeah. it. It's just like you know, you guys across the country don't know about the Biltmore. To me, it would be more like a Biltmore visit. I'd be like. Right. I'd be like, hey, Donald, and then I would just move on to the next, you know, right, check right. out the other room. So I know that's not exactly what you're going for. Have you ever been to Biltmore? Yes. We're, we're going to Biltmore this been? year, I think. Yeah, we, I've, I've been, yes, yeah, sort of. My right. wife has been there and done the whole tour thing right. and all the rest of that. That's what she wants to do with me. And I'm like, okay. Listen, let me tell you. Bro, it's cool. I didn't want to go, and I was amazed, and I was glad I went. I'm telling you, you will be – Pleasantly surprised. Okay. I think we should do a show built from the Biltmore House. Yeah. From the wine cellar. Yeah. That's right. The whole time you're like, oh, another shit in the litter. Let's get down to the wine part of it. But it is amazing, isn't it, It, Robert? It is. I I did not want to go. And I had a blast. It was, I was blown away. It's amazing to see how Anderson Cooper's family lived, huh? (laughs) And Vanderbilt's baby. Yeah. He's just every man, though. He's just a guy keeping it real. Whatever. Uh, Jimmy Butler, what does this mean? How does this work? All right. Do you want to go? You go. All right. My first part of it is I don't think they have enough shooting. It's not because after Reddick, they don't have enough shooting. It's not that Butler, because you corrected me earlier, he's a good shooter. It's just that he doesn't shoot that much. Right. You're right. So he's always crashing or like getting close to the basket. After Reddick, who's going to be shooting the ball? Carmelo. Like on paper, <laughs> yeah, they're going to bring Carmelo. <laughs> he's like going to sit down. He's going to be a consultant and say, "Hey, all y'all need to shoot more." But if you look at it, Ben Simmons, Embiid, Jimmy Butler, that's jump off the page. Great, not just good, but great. But who's going to shoot the ball in the playoffs, especially? Markel Fultz. Oh Lord! All right, okay. before you go, Ricky, let me let me let me say something. If let let's subtract Golden State from the universe, Thanos just clicked his fingers. Golden State, they all turned to dust. If this Golden State team had never existed, and we saw Embiid and Simmons, who are the best young tandem of ball players in the NBA, add Jimmy Butler to that. Think about how we would, be, we would be off the rails. Oh, my God. Let's think back a couple years ago when Dwight Howard got paired with James Harden down in Houston, and they added Chandler Parsons. And it was like, oh, my God, this collect these three players. And then they never did anything because Dwight Howard can break anything good. <laughs> the questions now, though, when we fast forward a few years where it's become an arms race and everybody needs to get their three or four stars in there, Jimmy Butler is a scorer that can play defense. He can shoot, he can score, and he's going to play tough defense. I think it's a great ad. Brandon, I think you hit it on the head. Redick in the game gives them a shooter, but it's a one-dimensional little guy. So I don't know. Where does the shooting come from? Hopefully – it doesn't become Embiid spending even more time on the perimeter. Because if I was an opposing coach, and this is where I want you to pick it up, Ricky, if I was an opposing coach and Embiid was having one of those nights where he wanted to start shooting threes from the top of the key, I'd be the happiest guy in that city on that night. 
when well, he starts settling for those jumpers. Well, and that's the only other little side note is how does Embiid get along with Butler? Remember, we were talking about that one friend that somebody brings, like Thibodeau, right. to the party. Butler liked Thibodeau. They got along. Yeah. But how is somebody that takes to Twitter like Embiid and is super hilarious get along with a butler who's like, you know, trying to – whether it's right or wrong, he's trying to project that he's like this super hard worker and all that jazz. How do they get along? Because I feel like Ben Simmons kind of does his own thing. Like, mm-hmm. y'all y'all do what y'all going to do. I'm going to be super good. He needs to learn how to shoot. But Embiid and Butler, that's the only thing I would think. That might cause problems. I can see that. Uh, I, I think Butler really helps, but again, like you all said, they, they lack shooting, perimeter shooting, and they've got to find. Again, I'm telling you, I keep saying Carmelo, he'd be perfect because that's all he wants to do is shoot. Now, if he can accept a lesser role, and you know, average ten points and get fifteen, twenty minutes a night, but stretch the floor because he can knock down some shots. I mean, that's where he is. That's what sixteen years in the league. Seems like thirty six. Like Seems yeah. like fifty. Yeah, yeah. So at thirty six, he played with Kareem <laughs> back in Milwaukee before they went to L. A. Um, so let me ask you this: but in the playoffs, who's he? Who is Melo going to defend? You, you, you not worry about defense. You okay. worry about stretching the floor. You just hope you can. He can make some shots, and you run enough of a scheme. You have a shot. You have a rim protector too. So you got to remember that. That always helps when you have Embiid. Protecting the basket. It does. I will say this, though. I I think Philly Philly slipped this year anyway. I think coming into this, people were like, well, they're either the second or third best team in the East. They let Ilyasova go. They let Gallinari get out. They, 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 they lost these guys that came in as that second unit. And I think they're paying for it. They don't have a lot of depth. And now, even though as a price tag – it was good value to bring Butler in. They gave up two really, really long players who were getting significant minutes and made a difference, one, in terms of spacing on the floor on offense, and second, closing down on defense because they're both long. You got Sarge as a seven-footer, Covington 6'9", with the arms that are about 8,000 feet long. So it'll be interesting to see. But what does it mean in terms of closing the gap on the rest of the East? Because Philly was really had slid into sort of dangerous territory where they were in – you know, the second half of the playoff seeding. Milwaukee has made a move. Toronto is probably the best team in the East right now in terms of performance. Boston is still a big deal. Where does this put Philly, Brandon? Well, if you look at the – if you look at – it looks like Toronto is going to be the best shooting team maybe in the East. Would you agree or disagree? Say I mean, that again. Well, just with Ka- Kawhi Leonard being in, you know, they look like one of the best shooting teams in the East. They, <sighs> Toronto, to me, is the same thing Toronto's been the last couple of years until they show me differently. Until Kyle Lowry shows up in a playoff series, I'm not buying the Raptors. And maybe Kawhi is the guy with, with his mindset. They didn't trade one for the other with him for DeRozan. Toronto got the better player. DeRozan is a nice player who does a couple of things really well. San Antonio is showing, yes, there is still room for a mid-range you know, shooting guard in the NBA, but DeRozan wasn't going to lock anybody down on defense. He wasn't going to finish. Maybe Kawhi puts him over that hump, but until I see Kyle Lowry, who is the center of gravity on that team, whether anybody likes it or not, show up and beat somebody in the postseason, I'm not buying Toronto. They can win 75 games in the regular season. I'm not going to believe in them in the postseason. T- 
till I see it. And I get that LeBron's gone. Maybe the fact that he just owned them headspace-wise, maybe that's the difference. And maybe they get to a finals. And if they do, Kawhi's got one hell of a decision ahead of him. I don't know. Well, I think that if you look at all the Eastern Conference teams on the the high side, everybody thought, like you said, it would be maybe not Toronto. But it would be the Celtics, the you know the Sixers, and then maybe Toronto. Toronto's only lost one game. Yeah, and everybody else is like almost at five hundred in the East. Seems like it. It's very I mean, similar I mean, to the West. Milwaukee's only, only Milwaukee's only got the two losses, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, two. Yeah, they're yeah. in the they're in the East as well. I'm sorry. They're to me. They're the favorite. We were talking about it earlier in terms of a national championship and challenging Golden State. I think they're the team. All right, we got 15 minutes left to go. Hang out. You're made it this far. Don't quit on us from now. From the cheap seats from Sanford, North Carolina. Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. My name is Forrest, Forrest Gump. My mom always told me you don't have to sit down close to see the action. Sometimes it's better from the cheap seats. And that's all I gotta say about that. What is that about? Welcome back to From the Cheap Seats. All right, welcome back to the final segment of From the Cheap Seats. We appreciate you hanging out with us. Check us out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Um, Twitter poll. We ran a Twitter poll over the weekend and asked, what does Jimmy Butler mean to the Philadelphia 76ers? And you guys, the poll's still open, so we'll keep tracking it. But as it stands now, 48% think Philly is a two through a four seed. 24% 24 think that they will win the East. 21% say they're just another playoff team. And 7% of the voters say it's going to blow up and they miss the playoffs. I think it's very unlikely that they blow up and they miss the playoffs. Too much talent. We said it's a star-driven league. But even though it is a star-driven league, you've got to have those complementary pieces. I'm with you, Brandon. I don't know that there's enough left there. But it's going to be fun to watch it down the stretch. Now, I know we do this seemingly every week where we're like, well, where are we stand now? Where are we stand now? You want to amend your outlook on the East. Is that correct? Yeah. Who's your favorite coming out of the East? Um, It's the Bucks, And it's not because they might have home court advantage all through the Eastern Conference Finals. It's because I feel they, they are the clearly clearly the favorites – to be able to beat Golden State, I because think their from, length, I, I agree with you from a matchup standpoint. From their length, for, first of all, the Greek freak, nobody can stop that dude. And then they have so much length that you've never really, you know. Um, and, and then Eric Bledsoe is just like off the charts good. All of a sudden, has he always been that good, or like yes, he's always been that good. That, I, it just seems question. like he's next level good now. I know this is this is we're all over the map today, but Phoenix, when you if, if you watch, if you get a chance to watch Phoenix, Phoenix blew a twenty two point twenty six point lead against Boston the other day. It was unbelievable. 
Phoenix, though, when you look at them and you see the guys that they trot out there, Devin Booker, great scorer. DeAndre Ayton, who showed up and is the real deal. TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, they've got pieces out there. The one thing they're missing, point guard. How in the hell did they blow that up last year and give Bledsoe away? I don't care what he said about the franchise. I don't care what he said about wanting to be there or not wanting to be there. They gave him to Milwaukee for a one. Bledsoe is a difference maker in the NBA. We were talking about it the other night. I think he is on the very next tier below Kyrie Irving in terms of below-the-rim players in the NBA. He's a difference maker. Him running the point out there, Brogdon is still a nice player to, to compliment him or to spell him in the backcourt. And, and then from that point on, you've got twos through fours on this team that all seem to be 6'9 with arms 10 feet across. Just length. Yeah. Length, length, length. I really like the Bucks. I said this might be the year. Trent laughed at me because I said this might be the year before before the Boston sort of dominant dynasty in the in the NBA takes shape. This is Milwaukee's year to slide in there and get to a finals. I stand by that. Boston is turning out to be more train wreck than we thought. Well, can I Trent, say why? Yeah, sure. Kyrie Irving, get rid of that dude. Wow. He's a complainer. He's Probably the best under-the-rim player there is in the league. But this is – make no mistake. It's Jason Tatum's team. And ever since he's gotten back in the mix, he just complains about stuff. He, he's just – he wants to be the guy. Can you imagine trying to – with all these players trying to chase down rings, being with the best player that potentially ever lived with Le- LeBron James, he leaves that scenario to go to Boston? And it's because he wants to be the guy. You newsflash, you still ain't the guy. It's Jason Tatum, bro. Like, so get rid of him, get some value, and then like play like you were last year. That's why they're I think they're seven six this year. They're like almost five hundred. And it's because Kyrie's uh, Kyrie's back now. And he's Trent, getting his little points. What's he missing? He's missing that uh Right now, they've had the hardest schedule against, no, in the NBA to start the season, and now they're going into a stretch that they're going to have the easiest. They're a new team, basically. They're learning how to play. Gordon Hayward still's not not back to being Gordon Hayward. So they'll gel. They'll be all right. I mean, I don't disagree with you. It may end up being that that's the problem, but I think the Celtics this year are better with Kyrie than without. And they've got to put it together. And I still will take them over anybody else to win the East because of the experience that everyone else on the team got last year is better than the experience that these other three teams had. All right, I'm going to make two observations. I want Bricky to tell me where I've got this wrong. First of all, I think Kyrie (coughs) Irving and Terry Rozier, they need to commit to one or the other. Those two guys, both of them should be starting in the NBA. Kyrie obviously has the pedigree. I think when Rozier comes into the ballgame, he's pressing, and he's trying to put himself out there, and I'm going to get my numbers, and I'm going to get paid, I'm going to get moved, I'm going to get something. The other thing is I think that you're seeing from a lot of these guys, Smart, Marcus Smart in particular, I think maybe a little complacency set in. That dude was looking for a payday, got his payday, he's there. Hayward, I think with you, he's not back. Hopefully he gets back. Otherwise, that's going to be an albatross Boston's going to be wearing for a while. Bricky, 
the Irving Rozier thing. What do you think? I agree. Uh, we talked about that off air. Rozier is a good player, and he could be a really good player. I think he, like you say, he's pressing. He's taking bad shots, and I'm surprised that the coach doesn't do something about it. Stevens is a really good coach, and usually he he usually has a really good system in place. And sometimes it seems like Rozier just goes outside of that, trying to create, taking bad shots, fadeaways, runners, jumpers. He's doing too much. So I'd say I agree with you. For the sake of the franchise, you need to get rid of one. And I'm, I agree with uh, Brandon. You got to get rid of Kyrie. What? Yeah. Oh! Really? Oh. You, know, you know what? One, you can get value for him. And then you can get a piece that you don't have. The question with value as it applies to Kyrie. First of all, you can't just trade him for anything. You have to bring back matching salaries. Right. So Boston would have a couple alternatives where they could do some things, but probably they're going to end up with, in the best-case scenario for them, a couple of expiring contracts. I would go the other way, but you guys are allowed to agree with that. It's going to be hard for them to find guys that they can bring in and still get some value, and they've got enough picks already because that's where your picks are going to have to come from. Right. Boston doesn't have a roster where they can go find a, a Jimmy Butler-type deal and trade him for two good guys that are going to come and sit on our bench too. That bench is already long as it can get. Would you have traded Butler for Irv- or Kyrie? If I was Minnesota, if I could have gotten Kyrie Irving – for Butler, I would have taken it in a hot second, but I would have done what they should have done a long time ago. And first of all, they never should have got Jeff Teague in the first place. They have got to find a way to get Teague off that roster. You've got Derrick Rose and Tyus Jones who can run the point every bit as good as Teague. Teague cannot shoot. That what? is a problem. You cannot play point guard in the NBA today and have no jumper and be effective. George Hill and Jeff Teague are the first two guys that jump into my mind. Jeff Teague has got to be gone. He's not on a horrible deal. And if you put him in a system where he's got guys to get the ball to, he could still be a valuable piece. Simmons and Marquez Falk are the first two that come to mind. Markel Fultz? Whatever his name is. Well, that's why Fultz is on the bench. And it's why Ben Simmons. Yeah, but Ben Simmons can go get you 12 rebounds and 15 assists a night. They've got it. They had up to this point enough scoring to offset that. But when you think of point guards in today's NBA, Teague doesn't check either box. He is not a threat to score. He cannot get to the dish and he cannot shoot. And he was on a team up to this point that had no perimeter shooting to speak of. Teague is Teague is a bad fit there. Send him to Phoenix. Phoenix has got plenty of guys that can put the ball up. Well, if you look at if you watch the Celtics play, they're most exciting and they have the crowd in it the most when Smart's playing with Tatum or Rozier's playing with Tatum. Kyrie gets on the floor; he's just not a good fit. I mean, and then you can get rid of how much is it? Twenty million? I'll let you work out all the facts. The problem is not I know getting you get a rid trade. of twenty. They got to get twenty back. You have to come close to matching salaries. But, That's the problem. I get it, but he's just not a good fit for this team. Like, I mean, he's a good regular season team team player. But when this team gets up – and I'll say one other thing. Um, what's his name? Um, Al Horford. 
Al Horford was like a unicorn eight years ago, mm-hmm. a big that could <laughs> shoot a three. He's like six to eight. Now you got like kids like seven one doing exact same th- thing, same thing that he's doing, but much better. I mean, this is all of a sudden in one year seems to be like kind of an old team that's salary yeah. cap heavy. You know who who uh, Jalen Brown has lost his way to, or has gotten lost in the mix somehow. He's been hurt. Yeah, well, Jalen Brown's another example of a guy that had they traded or had they sold high on him, they could have brought back a king's ransom for Jalen mm-hmm. Brown. As time goes on, Jalen Brown gets a little less valuable. Yeah. The other thing, too, is he gets a little more expensive because he's closer and closer to coming off that rookie deal. The real value in him would have been the middle of last year when he was, you know, plenty of time left on that deal. He was playing at the height of his game. Boston. Their wind, they have a great opportunity here, yeah. and Danny Ainge has made the right moves up to this point, but he's got some big decisions yeah. to make as we move They need to go get into the Isaiah Thomas, future. I think, for a Snicker bar and a cup of coffee. They can Oof. bring it back. Well, yeah, I mean, and, and all these guards that we're talking about are 22 to 24 years old, except for Kyrie. He is super young, like you pointed out the other day. He's 26, but they got – a lot of young players on this Speaking team. Speaking of, of guys that have been in the league forever, I looked that up and I was like, 26? Kyrie's been around since the ABA. <laughs> what are you talking about? 26 years old. That seems, that seems crazy. And I'm looking at their weights. Zion Williamson weighs more than the entire team put together. <laughs> he, he Actually, you know, Williamson – if he were to come into the league tomorrow, would be the heaviest player in the NBA. You know, we were talking about trying to find a physical uh, comparison to somebody who played in the NCAA. We, yeah. we got a, came up with Larry Johnson. But Larry Johnson was like 240. Shaquille O'Neal. That's crazy. How much did Shaquille O'Neal yeah, weigh well, in Shaq LSU. in college. Not the same athletic Thing, no, but Shaq in college was still a big boy. No, yeah. Shaq wasn't anything like the 300-plus he was well, in no, NBA. but I bet she was 270. No, the guy that I would like to see, I'd like to actually see how much he weighed in college. Big Baby. Big Baby is a good one, but I want to see how how much did Julius Peppers weigh when he was in 275. College? He was 275? They're about the same weight. Because we were talking about athletic ability. In terms of raw athletic ability, Julius Peppers and – and Zion Williamson are close. Very now, similar. Zion's infinitely more talented I think in terms of a basketball player. With the ball speed, Zion's like light years ahead of. Because, like, you know, Julius Peppers just looked like he was giggling. Like, I'm playing basketball, too. You he know? really did. Tell you. Dude, I, Shaquille I, O'Neal was 7'1", 294 pounds as a junior at LSU. So he was nine so pounds heavier as a and, – and I, I was saying when he got to a, LSU. Yeah, well, this is – But 294, that's off. nine pounds heavier than, than Zion. Stanley Roberts was like three. Nine pounds heavier than Zion Williamson. That's, that's bananas. Did you ask him the question I asked you to ask him? Trust me. It Who was his number two pick, Robert? Couldn't get in there. Who was – Zion's number two pick. If he didn't pick Duke, who was he? Where was he? Going? Oh, I have no idea. Those guys I, have just I, I gotten scuffed going, up pretty I good. I thought he was Carolina. I, I, that was the word on the street initially. Then all of a sudden, he signs with Duke out of the blue. Oh, trust me, he thought it was a lock that he was coming to Carolina. I want to. I want to relate one thing since we got a couple minutes left, and and just to put this out there, Larry Fedora. We've been talking about the Larry Fedora farewell out. tour. I figured out what he needs to do. 
What what's that? He needs to run every trick play in onside kicks, fake punts. Just from just, the opening gun. Just to try to get fired to see if they'll buy him out. Because he's already I mean, are they gonna spend fourteen mil to buy him out? They're gonna have to. Let me and let me tell you why. I saw it. In the third quarter there was an injury. Carolina player went down over by the UNC sideline. And there was an extended timeout. They went to a break. There were three or four minutes past. Player was still down. And the players came off the sideline and they were huddled around. You're going to have to talk. come back next week and I'll tell you what happened. Thanks for hanging out with us. Check it out on social media at Cheap Seat Radio. Peace! You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Adkins on From the Cheap Seats, a production of Cheap Seats Radio. Thank you.